0: It's time to take a ride on the Steelers
1: Afternoon Drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith.
0: Welcome into another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders. That's a very different background for us, Alan.
1: I don't know what you're talking about. This is uh, Pittsburgh. Clearly, <laughs>
0: you're always you're always there. You, you,
1: yeah, don't, you don't you don't you don't recognize it. I mean, I'm
0: not I'm not used to that. I'm not familiar with that area. I'm used to seeing either the uh, all the credentials in the background, maybe a moving vehicle. This area of Pittsburgh, I'm not very familiar with.
1: No, it's uh, yeah, it's a uh, west west side, west side, <laughs> side Pittsburgh.
0: Pittsburgh West. It was um,
1: Pittsburgh West, man. Can we talk yes. about that first? That's what my call was about this morning, man. Um, I have seen Steeler Nation do some things, man. I have seen them take over some games in places that you'd expect them to, right? Like, place teams that don't have fan base. Like, Steelers go to Arizona. Mm-hmm. It's going to be mostly Steelers fans. Steelers go to Jacksonville. It's going to be mostly Steelers fans. Steelers play a game in Miami in December when the Dolphins are like four and six. Yeah, yeah, it's mostly going to be Steelers fans. This was the Raiders... Home opener. The tickets were six hundred dollars. Steelers mm-hmm. fans just ran the place. Um, I think to me, considering the circumstances, and like, look, we've had nothing but angst on this show for two weeks. Like, this is not like halcyon times of Steeler fandom right here. Like, they still came and, and conquered. It was it was incredible. Um, I think to me, one of the most impressive uh, things I've seen Steeler Nation do was just dominate that build. And those are. We are talking about Raiders fans. Face
0: paint, mm-hmm.
1: shoulder pads, pulling on, yards. It was like they weren't there.
0: Yeah, I would say solid fandom in their own right are Raiders fans. The person that I buy yeah. my season tickets off of, is was actually their 65th birthday yesterday, and they went out there for that trip. They circled it as soon as the schedule came out, and I imagine that was the case for a lot of Steelers fans. First time at this new Allegiant Stadium. It was your first time there as well. What did you think of the stadium itself and just Vegas in general?
1: um it's huge i think when you look at the outside of it it's very sleek it i joked it looks like a roomba but um you don't Mm kind of get the scale of it especially from far away it's an enormous building like standing outside of it you're like it's like 12 stories up there um and uh on the inside i would say it you know it's more of a raiders building than a vegas building i guess is the way i would characterize it like it it feels like the inside of the death star like Okay. Like that's,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: that's, that's what they're going for. It's not like glitzy or, gram, or g- glamorous, you know, um, there were a lot of celebrities there, uh, but it was a very sort of Spartan atmosphere. Like you would expect for a Raiders stadium. It did not feel like Vegas. It felt honestly like um, we, we could have been anywhere, um, but you certainly noticed the uh, it's dark. Uh, the seats are dark. It, it's, it's sort of intentionally foreboding i think that's that's basically the way i would describe it
0: what about from like a a tailgating perspective when you're walking into the stadium like are there, are there a lot of people that are like around the stadium prior to
1: yeah so i think like much like maybe if you can think back to like pnc parks early days where like they built a stadium where there was nothing and you can kind of tell that it's not going to stay that way forever but right now there's still a lot of nothing around and so mm-hmm. um there was like a lot of like little lots where you could park and tailgate like the stadium lots aren't that extensive but there were lots of I was i kind of i took an uber in but we kind of had to make like you know go around three sides of the building and so you can kind of see like all these little places that I had tailgate set up and you know the other part about this is like it's a it's a transient fan base no matter what you got lots of people coming in from la people coming in from northern california that were raiders fans and so all these people drive in and they park and they set up, and so it's a it's a pretty big. I was I was surprised by how much tailgating there is. You know, I was saying like where are you going to tailgate in Vegas. I don't know if it's going to stay that way because, like I said, I think they're plan. There it looks like there's plans to develop that area, but right now it's mm. pretty solid tailgate stuff
0: Yeah, I was thinking a lot of it would be like indoor tailgating stuff. That's why I didn't know if you would see many people outside. Like I thought, like maybe the bars and stuff would be packed prior to, and then everybody just there was like again.
1: weren't any bars right there. You know, the the. the um, Middle A Bay is just across the highway there. So, like, there's casinos, but there were not, like – there's not, like, bars in, in that area.
0: Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, the game itself, the Pittsburgh Steelers come away with a win on Sunday Night Football uh, by the score of 23-18. to 18. Another weird score two weeks in a row with pretty odd scores here. Obviously, Vegas uh, going for a two-point conversion on the first time. Then they kick a field goal. Wait, can we just talk about that real quick, the decision to kick a field goal? as opposed to going for a touchdown, needing eight points. What what, what did you think about that decision?
1: The first time I thought it was defensible because they needed a lot of yards. It was like fourth and eight or something like that. um,
0: Fourth
1: and five, maybe fourth and five is the first time. But they were farther back. You know, you could kick the field goal. Then they get the first down. They waste a bunch of time. They're down to the four-yard, eight-yard line. Fourth and four, I think you got to go for that. If you can't make fourth and four, how do you expect to get the ball back and then – score again like you're going to need to be able to pick up four yards so so I I, I thought that last decision was poor one and uh, yeah Steelers take advantage Um, head scratching for sure.
0: I want to start I feel like a bulk of the conversation could be had about the offense so I want to start with the defensive side of things Um, specifically up front Uh, we came into this game Vegas allowing zero sacks on the season um, you know, you can't even circle that right tackle matchup for Jermaine Illuminor where he hadn't even allowed a allowed of pressure. TJ coming into this game, just breaking the franchise sack record, added two more to that and kind of had his way on that right side.
1: TJ Watt is good. This is a news flash, I know. <laughs> it does not matter what his pass rush win rate is, Smitty. He's extremely good. And he impacts the play when he wins his rep. Um, when, even when TJ wasn't getting a sack, he had two sacks. Which is great, but it's not like he was single-handedly wrecking the game with those two sacks. But he was impacting the play, he's getting pressure on Jimmy G mm-hmm. and impacting the throw. He directly causes one of the interceptions, the one to Patrick Peterson, is because TJ's coming. He's got to get rid of the ball. And it's not a good decision. A couple of not good decisions. You know, I thought throughout the game, you know, I, we we said coming in that you know, Jimmy G was not gonna make the big mistake. He did. They forced him into making the big mistake. They took Jacobs out of the game plan. I thought it was a a perfect Steelers defense game. They, they weren't perfect. They they give up a bunch to Devonte Adams on the back end. Uh, we can talk about that, but they they held their ground and they made big plays, and that's the recipe. Yeah,
0: I, I wanted to ask about how you felt about in terms of Devonte Adams. Obviously, you know, twenty targets in this game. Um, what did he end up going for? Was it thirteen receptions? I want to say twelve uh,
1: for like one seventy two.
0: 13 for 172 and two touchdowns. Yeah. So it took the top off of them on that first touchdown, obviously. Um, But I I don't know. I almost feel like they were kind of, other than that one where he gets behind them, the plan is obviously for them to keep him in front of them, you know, running a lot of like short stuff, a lot of outs, a lot of stuff to the middle of the field. So I I don't want to say if you give up 13 receptions for 172 yards and two touchdowns that you executed the game plan. But I don't think it was like egregious. Other than that one that was really broken, that long touchdown.
1: Yeah. And you know, I think Levi Wallace, we got a question about Levi, right? You wanna you wanna go to that now? Yeah,
0: it's yeah. I know that we normally save it. yeah, we normally save the YouTube stuff, but when it fits, I feel like it'd be weird to talk about this now and then bring it back up again at the the later latter portion of the show. So um Berg sports fan said have a question regarding Levi Wallace, Joey Porter Jr., Patrick Peterson, kind of all three of them. So we got three interceptions in this game, two from Levi Wallace, one from Peterson. But I felt like Porter played the best out of them when he was on the field. Levi tends to give up way too much. Not sure if that's by design to keep everything in front of him or what it is. Him and uh, Peterson seem to be getting beat way too often. think it's about time Porter sees more time on the field.
1: Yeah, I do think a lot of what you're seeing with Levi Wallace is sort of intentional, you know, where they are playing off, they're playing zone, and it's catch and tackle. Like, it's not intended to be just, like, shut them down, tight football. Um, A lot of it is in-breaking stuff where uh, Wallace is supposed to eventually pass him off to a linebacker or a safety, but there's gaps in those zone defenses. And a good quarterback who's not being pressured can take advantage of those. The one exception to that is the one where – um he's expecting Minka Fitzpatrick to be in the center of the field, uh forces Adams back in the middle. Minka comes up on the uh inbreaker, and Patrick Peterson is supposed to replace him. Uh it's a really tough play for Peterson. He kind of gets there, but then can't find the ball. Uh, that's the one that I think look the Steelers, if that was whatever that play was, about a 40-yard touchdown, something like that, 35-yard yeah. touchdown. Mm-hmm. If it, was, if it was 12 for 135 and one touchdown, I think the Steelers would feel really good about their game against Devontae Adams um, because he wasn't going to hurt them. Um, they want to keep him in front of them. They don't want to get beat deep. They don't want the big play. You know, this is a big play defense. They want you to complete a bunch of passes. They say, look, if you have to drop back and you have to complete 10 passes to get down the field, either we're going to get to your quarterback or we're going to get to the ball. 100% of the time. You can't do it. You can't drop back to pass that many times against this defense and stay clean. And so they're okay with Devontae Adams getting 10 yards, 8-yard eight, eight, you know, catches, 10-yard catches. They're not okay with the big play, and they probably want that one back. But other than that, I think that was largely them executing the game plan kind of the way they drew it up.
0: Yeah, and I mean, they got – Jimmy G into a situation where he threw 44 times I don't think that that's what the Raiders what want to have happen yeah Josh Jacobs on the other hand 17 carries for 62 yards a long of only 10 again he came into this game not having the best numbers I think that running game is still very far from where they were last season when he led the league in rushing but how did you feel about the way that they were able to limit him on the ground and the guys up front
1: no big play I mean that was the difference between this and the last two weeks in the ground game is that there was the 69-yarder from Jerome Ford and another really long one from Christian McCaffrey where they missed the tackle and let a guy get free. They rallied to the ball Uh, when they did miss the tackle. They had a second and third guy there right away. They didn't let any big plays happen. So I think that's the big thing that stands out to me in the ground game. It wasn't perfect, um, but it's not going to be, especially without Cam Hayward in there. I I think that will take that effort from the run defense every week.
0: Um, And I just want to talk about somebody that I singled out yesterday for making a very clean, big textbook football hit in Cole Holcomb. What I've seen from week one to the last two weeks, the change that he's made, the way that he's progressed within this defense has been awesome to see. What did you see from him yesterday?
1: You know, it's funny because when the Steelers signed him, I know some people in Washington, and they were like, man, I can't believe we let this guy get away. You know, they were going through their ownership turmoil at that time. I don't think Mm -hmm. signing free agent linebackers were like at the top of their, their list of things to do as an organization, and um, th- there was a feeling expressed to me that they kind of dropped the ball and let him come to Pittsburgh. And mm. um, that was the first time I saw that player, I think. He was, okay. he, he, was he was bad against the 49ers. So it was fine yeah. against the Browns. I thought he made a difference in this game. Um, and there were a couple other guys I thought that, that stood out. Keanu Benton uh, continues <laughs> to get better every week. What a sack. Uh, it was great. Um, Marcus Golden looks like a real yeah. weapon in terms of a, a secondary edge rusher. Uh, that can do a lot of things for them And I think um, I, I did not notice Demonte KZ and Keanu Neal In a good way You know, those are not guys When you're playing a, a, a half-field safety I don't want to be seeing them all the time You know, I thought they, they kept the lid On that defense for the most part
0: Yeah, I think Keanu Neal Was only targeted one time In pass coverage And it was an incompletion So, yeah, and it was on uh Or no, yeah, Jacoby Myers so, yeah. yeah, good stuff from him. Um, okay, let's, let's flip the script here. I know that we want to talk a lot about this offense. That's where we talked last week. You asked me a question last week after the win. It's like, do I feel like they even – it almost felt like they didn't win. Like, Pittsburgh fans, despite getting that win, it almost felt like they didn't win the game. And I said I think the answer is because of the offensive performance. We're now sitting here after this performance where I feel like they did take a significant step. And Kenny Pickett, some of the things that we've – asked about him we got some questions on in terms of like the accuracy all of a sudden seemed to be back it just makes what happened in those first that first week just that much more odd but what did you see from this offense and let's just start to dive into a conversation about that side of the football and where it's at
1: yeah I mean I expressed some real concern about what was wrong with Kenny Pickett especially in that first game and I didn't think I understood what it was and so I I wasn't confident that it was just going to get better like it it could Mm -hmm. have um, I, I didn't know. I, I now feel like I know. That, well, I just still don't know what happened, but it's it's seemingly better. You know, he got incrementally better against Cleveland. I don't think I saw a badly missed throw from a mechanics and accuracy standpoint in this game. There were certainly lots and lots of open receivers that he did not find that he could have found. There were certainly some times where he could have stayed in the pocket or felt the rush a little bit better. Um, but, you know, there's, there's so much more that he can do than what he did in this game. But that fundamental accuracy, is throwing the football, that's so much better from week one to week three. And I think that really alleviates a lot of the concern for me with where he's going and what his season is going to be like. Um, he is not a finished product, he's not where they want him to be, he's not where he wants to be, but this is closer to where I expected him to be for this season. And so I think whenever you know your, your, your eyes are, are lining up with what you were expecting to see, I think that gives you a lot more confidence that's going to continue going forward.
0: How important do you think it was? Okay, the Raiders get that first score, things on offense kind of looking the exact same for the Steelers right out of the gate. Then he hits that deep shot to Calvin Austin. How important do you think it is for a player like him to hit that type of play from a confidence perspective and to just get him going?
1: I've never really felt like Kenny Pickett lacked confidence, even when things aren't going well. He's never been a guy to me that, like, let – bad plays bleed into other plays but i'll tell you what it does do it, you know that, that was a, an offense that was really aggressively flowing to the ball uh, i'm sorry defense it was really flowing yeah. to the ball you mm-hmm. have to make them pay for that to, to get the stop. um you know there's calvin austin is fast fast um nick fairball wrote it um i'm not even sure it's, it will be out on the site i believe by the time you're hearing the breakdown of that play but it's quarters coverage against marcus peters and he gets a free release, uh, you know, based on the formation where he's like tight to, to Pat Frymuth there. So there's no way that Peters can play inside leverage on him. He kind of has to give him a free release. He's beating every corner in the league on that route. If you if he gets a free release, there's just no one that can run with him down the field. The quarters yeah. at that point is set, essentially becomes man coverage. Um, that there's there's no one that's going to run with him. They have to use that weapon to make defenses respect them and to get the stuff that they want to do in the width of the field and in the short middle opened up. Um, I thought that was really key for getting that offense moving. The other part of that that I think was also uh, put in that bucket is Kenny using his legs. That's not something we've seen a lot the first two weeks. I thought he was very decisive about, okay, it's just not there. I'm going. And and he made the, the Pickens penalty erases the big one. He comes back and does it again anyway. I think those kinds of plays – really will make a defense change what they wanted to do um and that's that's what effective offense does it makes the other team adjust to you i think we saw things open up in the passing game because the Steelers were able to establish some deep passes some quarterback runs and and that really got the rest of the passing offense going
0: I, I want to ask you real quick regarding Calvin Austin, too. I, I know that w- obviously we couldn't have forecasted a Deontay Johnson injury that would keep him out for the amount of time that it it's, has and is going to. But when we talked about Calvin Austin's role within this offense, are you, uh, he got six targets last night that it was tied with George Pickens for the team lead. Do you feel like now, like even when Deontay Johnson comes back, he still could have this similar type of role? Or where do you see him? Like, Could it be Allen Robinson that takes more of a backseat than Calvin Austin when it's Deontay Johnson that comes back?
1: Maybe, probably not. You know, they're asking Allen Robinson to do a lot right now in terms of blocking, in terms of their mm-hmm. spacing. Um, that I'm not sure that. I mean, look, Calvin's actually a very good downfield blocker for his size. He had a great block on that uh, Pickens long catch and run in the third quarter. I was just uh, say, speaking
0: of a uh, PFF, he actually has the best blocking grade among the receivers right now.
1: All right. Well, we may have to give him that <laughs> one because uh, I agree with yeah. that. Uh, but uh, I, I, you know. I do not expect that. So maybe, I mean, I I do think that that what he, he's not getting a lot of targets right now, but, but I think the way they're getting his targets. Yeah. He can keep doing that. He needs to, he needs to be the guy who can use his speed to take the top off the defense. It's too easy for teams to double team George Pickens. Um, They need to uh, they need to find a way to, to make things happen with other guys. And, And I think Austin can be that guy.
0: Um, when we talk about Kenny and what you saw yesterday compared to those first two weeks, having you know we not watched the game back yet, obviously or anything, just upon first glance, like what did you see that you felt looked differently from him? Was it just like in the pocket? Was it more? you mentioned kind of getting outside of the pocket and moving the pocket. What was it about his game yesterday that you think we saw this type of improvement?
1: He just looked more accurate. I think that's the big thing. He was hitting the throws he was trying to make. Um, I still think there was questions about the decision-making at times. I, I think when he watches this, and given the fact that he spent like nine hours on an airplane after the game, I'm assuming he's watched it like three times by now. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to not feel as good as he did right after that game about the way he played. That's okay. He still played really well. Um, there was a lot of throws out there that he didn't make, but uh, he made the ones that he saw, and I think that's a huge step forward from where he was. It's a it's a reason for a big amount of optimism for the rest of the season. If he can continue to be that guy and take care of the football, I think that you know mm. there was one there was one or two that I would maybe call like interceptable passes. The one um, wasn't his fault. Connor uh, Hayward ran the wrong route. The other one I thought was an iffy uh, out to uh, out in the flat George Pickens where it was a little dangerous. It was really well covered on a short horizontal route. But um, other than that, man, he he took really good care of the ball. The veteran guy who is a low upside player who's only in the NFL because he's supposed to take care of the ball and not make mistakes made far more mistakes than Kenny Pickett did in that game. That's the difference in this game. Early on when things were going Vegas' way, Jimmy Garoppolo was outplaying Kenny Pickett that changed when he started making mistakes Pickett never did he ends up being a better quarterback in the game his team wins because of it and that is the most important thing i think for him and this team right away in terms of continuing this small amount of momentum they have going here after two straight wins um you know this we've talked about this is not that difficult of a schedule there are not um they're not elite players in fact I'll, I'll give you a an honest honest challenge here uh listeners Give me five players that are not uh, Derek Stingley and Aaron Donald that play on each of these next two defenses. I uh, think the Ravens are in between. Like this Texans defense has nobody you've ever heard of on it, I and mean, t- two weeks after that, the this Rams defense has nobody you've ever heard on it. That one either. Like, the, yeah, the Ravens have a good defense. There's going to be challenges, but there are a lot of bad teams on the schedule. All the Steelers need Kenny Pickett to be to beat the bad teams on their schedule is what he was on Sunday night.
0: Yeah, uh what he was also, 6 of 10 for 142 yards and two touchdowns on throws, 10-plus yards. So, you know, some more explosive plays were down there. Obviously, we mentioned the, the long 70-plus-yard touchdown. I put that out there. I thought that was weird. Like, two of their first three offensive touchdowns this year for, were for at least 70 yards. Like, for a not-very-good offense, it's funny that the explosive plays have been there.
1: It's been the story of the season so far. It's just keep it close and hit the big play. I'm not sure that's sustainable – on offense, I think they need to do a little bit better job, but I, I do think it is sustainable on defense. You know, the other part about this offense that I think um, has really stood out to me is really like for the first – so Derek uh, Derek Bell, our analyst, put in his dudes and duds from after the game, and mm-hmm. uh, he put in as one of his dudes – I'm giving away plus content here, but subscribe to Steelers Now Plus at SteelersNow.com. Save 10%. Use my code Allen 10 Say ten percent on annual subscription. It's forty bucks. So that makes it thirty six bucks, um, and you'll get all this stuff. But you know, he puts in his, his, his story last night, and I'm editing it. And it's like he put in like Steelers uh, offensive adjustments, and I'm like, yeah, no. I think we need to. Lay, I think we need to name the man here. I think Matt Canada needs to get some credit for the the game plan. I think the play mm-hmm. calling was still up and down but I think this is really the first time that you could see the intent of the game plan come out, right? Where early in this game, it was a lot of Najee Harris. It was a lot of Najee Harris into some loaded boxes. You know, everyone on, on social media went nuts because Warren Sharp pointed out that the Steelers have had extreme run past tendencies out of a uh, under center versus uh, shotgun. And I always love saying this. Like the thing about tendencies is uh, it's, it's, great if the defense figures out the tendencies of the offense unless the offense has also figured out the tendencies of the offense, you know, like that only works until, until the other, until somebody becomes self-aware of what they're doing and then they can weaponize it. I think that's exactly what we saw the Steelers do. They ran heavy out of, you know, uh, under center formations. They ran out of shotgun formations, and then they went back to play action in the second half and they, they cooked. Like they were awesome. They get the uh, the touchdown of Pat move on play action. They get the, uh, the 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 key first down right before the two minute warning on a play action under center bootleg formation. Same formation that we that we've talked about many times that they run out of um, under center with Najee Harris in the backfield, wide open Allen Robinson for a first down. Um, that is what the Steelers offense can look like when it's working, and I really think. Uh, we really saw the intent come through for the first time. You've got to say that was a good game for Matt Canada. And uh, will it continue? I don't know. Do I think it has anything to do with the strange report of him getting an expanded role with Kenny Pickett? No. Um, but uh, yeah, that was uh, that. I really felt like Kenny said that was the best our offenses looked. And mm-hmm. and I I asked that question about this season, but like was there a better drive than that? That that drive that I, ended with the Fryar move touchdown from from the Peterson interception? Is that the best drive we've seen Canada and Pickett? Period. Except for maybe yes. a non two minute non two minute best drive from from this offense. I, I think so.
0: I put it on X like the entire drive, like play by play, and said this is the best we've seen in quite some time i mean the use of play action we saw them use some pre-snap motion on a passing play they didn't run out of it they actually passed on the pre-snap motion play ran from the shotgun i thought they blocked well out in space there's that play warren where they kind of yeah. like dressed it up differently, had Calvin Austin come around the other side. Um, and I thought they blocked well out in space on that. They used the middle of the field on the front first down prior to the touchdown. Kenny bootleg. I mean, er, that drive had literally everything. But to your point, we haven't necessarily seen it enough. And that was still in the third quarter, and we didn't really see... Like, that was the last points they scored in the game. So, I'm not saying they didn't do good things even after that. I thought they did, especially on that final drive, putting it in Kenny's hands again, going empty, motioning, Najee in. They got you know, that nickel blitz where Allen Robinson's naked for that first down to ice the game. I, I thought the offense definitely did a lot of good things. This was definitely to me a game where you could give Matt Canada credit. I don't think it's, you know, so against the law to do so. Yeah,
1: I still think they need to run the ball better. That was kind of like the last thing we mm-hmm. talked about in a big way. And and I thought this was a defensive line and, and totally anonymous linebacking play that they could, I mean, Max Crosby's a really good player, and Tyree Wilson was a prospect I liked. But outside of those two guys, there's nobody on this defense that should be blowing up run plays. Still too sloppy from the offensive line. I thought another poor game uh, from Mason Cole. I didn't think Chiefs handled Max Crosby, as well as they've handled Bosa mm-hmm. and Garrett the last two weeks. Um, and so, I think really, I feel like the offensive line is the one area where uh, there's a lot more to give still after these first three weeks.
0: I thought Samalo looked okay. I thought he looked better than he has the first two weeks, and that wouldn't be saying much. I thought he looked more like the player they thought they were getting. But, again, Najee Harris had, like, 12 rushing yards over expector or something in this game, and that's only on 65 rushing yards. Like, yeah, he was met in backfield a ton in this game. They weren't opening a lot for him.
1: Yeah, and credit to Najee because we talked also last week about how he was – four and a half yards per carry, but it was 17, 21 and a bunch of zeros. I feel like they did a Mm -hmm. much, much, much better job of fighting for yardage, taking what was there, um, being decisive when he got the football. And I don't think even though they didn't block that well, and even though he didn't rush for as high of a yards per carry, I thought he did a better job of keeping the offense on schedule, keeping Kenny Pickett out of those obvious passing situations, which again leads to him being able to not make mistakes when the Steelers were doing that very thing to the Raiders.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, yeah, it still wasn't good from their perspective. I actually thought Najee played pretty well, all things considered yeah. in this one.
1: Yeah. And there was no, um, we, we've talked about the Jalen and Najee Harris thing. Now, Warren was worse. You know, there was no, there mm. was no room for him at all. Um, that's going to be the case. There's going to be games where one is better than the other. I, I just, I thought they were both fine. I, I thought Najee was pretty good, but there was just nowhere to run. I mean, they, they did not block it. Again, part of that is they were kind of, I think, on purpose, running into some heavy boxes, trying to set up the play action. Um, so if I had to, to make a criticism of of Canada and the way they approached that first half, I, I wanted the jet. The boxes were yeah. so heavy. Like call, call the jet, and I think it's there as much as they were keying on Najee.
0: I was – I was in my living – or my basement, actually. First game that I've watched in my basement. one oh, uh, so maybe I should stay down here. Um, Screaming for them to hit these cornerbacks with a double move because of the way that they were playing oh, that's up. That's coming I mean, too, man. Yeah. I mean, that and the fact, like – They were, again, like just that quick trigger, knowing that it's going to be a run play. To their credit, we did see some play action, too, because I was like, man, if you hit these cats with some play action, the way that these corners are coming up and run support or just sitting on these routes, knowing that it's going to be a quick out or something short, like a curl, man, they could have definitely hit some more long, deep shots in this game.
1: I, I think they want to do it to Pickens, but the Raiders were literally double covering him, like du- double yeah. ass, like all, all the time. And so it was really hard for them to get Pickens. Um, it can be Austin, though. It can even be Fryer move. I definitely think there's double moves to be had the way teams are starting to sit on their short passing game. And their back shoulder game is really good. I think that's Pickens' best throw. I, I thought, honestly, the receivers kind of let him down with a couple of those. Austin had one. It was right there. Yeah. He didn't grab. Armuth had one he got his hands on and hit him in the chest. Um, the, he's a really good deliverer of a back shoulder ball. And I think um, at, if that can, you know, if, if he's throwing those and they're so tightly covered that, you know, they're getting their, the ball knocked out of their hands, then you got to start faking them and, and, and double moving people because it'll be wide open. If they're that tight to a back shoulder fade, then, then they're, they're definitely vulnerable to being taken deep.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Uh Alan, anything else? As we wrap this one up. All right. Well, you know what to do. Tell the people they can find you.
1: At A Unders underscore PGH at PGH Steelers Now, SteelersNow.com. Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And subscribe to Steelers Now Plus at SteelersNow dot Ten percent off with the code Allen ten. Do it. You get all the best stuff from me, from Derek Bell, from Nick Farabaugh, from the whole gang. And uh, Victory Monday, off day tomlin
0: tomorrow tomlin tomorrow also steelers afternoon drive tomorrow so like alan said like subscribe hit that notification bell leave us a comment uh if you want us to talk about whatever it is on the show uh, not necessarily whatever it is but for the most part you guys know the, the guidelines here uh if you are listening somewhere else that isn't youtube leave us a five-star review i am zachary smith pgh i can be found on x and all other social platforms by that name. Uh, For Alan Saunders, I'm Zachary Smith. We will talk to you guys tomorrow, but thanks for jumping in and taking another ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
1: That is a harsh
0: lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1-per-month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending,